Good morning and welcome. Really thankful to have all of you here today. Appreciate that uh, you have chosen to be here in person and it really is a blessing to hear the, the sound, uh, uh, the noise of your fellowship. It, it is a beautiful, beautiful noise to me. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us on YouTube Live. We appreciate you clicking over and joining us. Hope that you are already ready to, to enjoy the Lord's Supper and celebrate with us live as you're watching a little bit later on. If you don't have those elements, I'd encourage you to get them here pretty quick before the end of the service. I want to thank you for joining us. If you're new to us, want to be sure and point you to our website, www.ljchurch.org. A lot of things there that you can investigate and get to know us a little bit better and also uh, things that were, are updated there probably as soon as they are anywhere else. I want to particularly tell you that you can uh, click there right on the front home page uh, to get over to our Facebook page and can join us in the conversation there and uh, we invite you to do that. Also, the website for all of us has the Caring and Sharing a digital link there. You can have it with you on your phone anywhere you go. If you need to check up on a prayer request, if you need to confirm a, a schedule or something like that, uh, it is accessible to you anywhere you go. And I encourage you not only to get your copy here, but maybe have that, that PDF downloaded online. And again, we encourage those of you who are uh, distant at this point to, to keep the caring and sharing near want to be sure you're aware that as we celebrate the Lord's Supper every week, we have instituted, if you're live here, some ways that we're not having to pass trays, and hopefully you've picked up your cup, which includes your bread and your, and your, and your wine. We also want to tell you that we won't be passing, the, uh, we won't be passing the, anything for the giving back to the Lord. Uh, you're welcome to use the code that's on the screen there to get to our online giving portal, but also many of you... Uh, are doing that through your bank, or it may well be that you want to drop a check in the box that's in the Welcome Center. We continue to encourage our kids to make their kids' gift gifts, kids' gift gifts in, uh, in the bucket that's back there, and we appreciate your continued support in that. And we appreciate parents who are uh, making sure that those children are, are remembering that as well. I want to say thank you to many people, and if I started a list, I'd forget somebody, but we had a whole lot of folks in our, involved in our Gulf Coast Ladies Bible Study that took place yesterday morning. I know several of you attended. I know that a whole lot of people uh, uh, were involved in the preparation, but also I know that you were praying about the good things that would happen, and it sounds like things went very, very well. I want to mark, get you to mark on your calendars uh, something, and, and maybe even adjust your plans a little bit. Um, we are going to be the Sunday night of, of the 22nd, the Sunday night before Thanksgiving. Uh, we're going to be having our, I don't know, fifth or sixth annual family journey of Thanksgiving. We would like to invite you to be a part of it. It's going to be a very special time together. And again, our hearts turn towards all the ways that God has blessed us. And so that'll be from 530 to 630 on Sunday evening, the 22nd. And so I encourage you to Kind of mark that on your calendars and be prepared for that. By the way, be sure you know, this is not just for older people and it's not just for children, but in, there will be something for everybody in the family. And even if you don't have an extended family here that's, that's biologically related to you, we want to adopt you into a family to be part of what goes on that evening. As we begin our worship together, I'd ask you to stand as we recite from Psalm 118. Uh, last week you did a great job of recognizing that the yellow stuff was what 
you were going to say back to me. Uh, we're going to speak all of these words together uh, simultaneously, and we invite you at home to please stand with us and join us in this reading. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. The Lord is my strength and my might. He has become my salvation. They are glad songs of victory in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. And the whole church said, Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place, where I walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Still I will say, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name, blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name, blessed be your name, on a road marked with suffering, though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I turn back to praise, when the darkness closes.
Good morning. On the back portion of our uh, caring and sharing, you'll find our list of missionaries. And the emphasis this week is uh, on Jean Baptiste in Haiti. Haiti's had an unusual year, much like the United States, but theirs has been more difficult in, in many ways. It's a country of 11.4 million people and they have suffered 8,827 COVID deaths, uh, COVID cases, I'm sorry, through, through uh, the third quarter. It's been a difficult year, but now the schools and the churches are starting to meet again and they're wearing masks and they're doing their social distancing. It's the new normal like ours. They did have something happen in the last five or six weeks though, and it was a currency collapse of 38% against the US dollar. Can you imagine losing over 30%, 38% of your income suddenly? Well, that's what's happened to them. Uh, employees for Hope for Haiti's children in Haiti are paid in US dollars. So they're having a difficult time. It's led to more unemployment. There's been freezes on uh, commercial goods political unrest, just everything has gotten more difficult for them in Haiti. When they returned to school 
after missing months of school this year in August uh, at the 10 schools that Hope for Haiti sponsors, uh, they decided to complete their 2019-2020 year from August to the end of October, and they did. And now they've started their 20 and 21 year at the 1st of November. They gave them backpacks, school supplies, school uniforms to the 10 schools they sponsored and sent them all home with a bag of food for their families. It's just a different type of year there, much different than ours. This summer they did have a Camp Hope. They had 177 kids come from the 10 different communities where the schools and churches are that they work with. Uh, 77 of those children committed their lives to Christ, over 40% of them uh, for the first time. And so it was a, a big event um, in the Haitian uh, programs that Hope for Haiti runs. They were able to put a new roof on one of the school slash churches. Uh, they were able to add on to another building. So they have had some things that have happened that are good. But their needs include finances because of the 38% collapse in the gourd, the Haitian dollar, if you will. They need money to buy these kids food when they come into the school because that's the only meal that many of the children will have that day is when they come to school. They're also beginning a clinic to build a clinic at Thomaso where they have an orphanage and a large school and they're going to have a building built for $100,000, no air conditioning. There will be electricity, I think, in it, although there aren't in the other buildings. They will have running water, I think, although there aren't in the other buildings. Uh, and, and they will have a nurse that stays there. And that's one of the clinics that we go to. You know I've been going down there for the last four years. And this year we were to go in in January, but the kit, the clinic was canceled because of the COVID conditions. They're trying to think of a, a way of putting a skeletal clinic together uh, with just one doctor, a couple of nurses, and some other support personnel that live there already. Um, they, uh, they're going to announce in January whether they're able to do that this year. It's just been difficult. They need 100000 for that clinic to build it, and they've already raised about 50000 of it. So they're, they're progressing with their plans but their dire need is money for uh, food for the children when they come to school. So that's our mission emphasis this week, the, the hope for Haiti's children, the ones here in America that support that work, are wonderful people. I enjoy going down there with them. We'll just have to see what the future holds and what God will do with that work. Let's pray for them this morning. Father God, we're so thankful to you for the, our participation and the uh, what you've given us the opportunity to do with hope for Haiti's children and the children in Haiti. We pray for that country, Father, for the difficult times they have, for their need of food, their financial needs, Father, their need of clean water uh, to drink, and the many illnesses uh, that the children face every day of their life. We ask you to bless their, their schools and bless the Christian education that they're getting in those schools. We ask you to bless Jean Baptiste, who we support there, Father, and we ask you to strengthen him and the other native workers that he works with in Haiti as they 
teach these children as they encourage them and they teach them to be leaders and Christians in their communities. Thank you for all you do for them, Father. Thank you for Hope for Haiti's children and the good people that work in that organization and that have let us help support them. Thank you, Father, all you, for all you do for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken, and great are you, Lord, it's your breath in our lungs, so we pour Good morning. This morning's first reading will be Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, 
and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of our God Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteousness of the things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. It was this great story. It was a story that happened in history, but it was not a story that stayed in history. It was relived every year when they celebrated the Passover because it wasn't simply about understanding that the blood of the lamb would be shed, understanding that it was painted on the doorpost, but it projected forward and said it was, it was, it was to remind them of the fact that God parted the Red Sea and that they walked through on dry ground and then on, having gotten to the other side, the sea came back and swallowed up the Egyptian army and all power that the Egyptians had to continue to pursue them. They started, and, and it's not that I want to say they started the day as slaves and ended the day as freed men and women, but the moment of time, from the moment that God sent Moses and said, I'm not going to leave them there anymore, enslaved, enslaved to an Egyptian pharaoh who thought it nothing when their numbers got too great to simply go and tear male babies from their mother's breast and throw them into the Nile River so that they would be eaten and killed. That's where they started and when God was done with them they were a free people living under his grace and his mercy. A story that for them filled every single story of redemption. When good things happened to them, they would say, it's like when Moses brought it, when God brought us through the Red Sea and brought us out of Egypt. And in many ways, that story continued into Jesus' day. And oftentimes the language, both of Paul's and Peter's letters, but also the language of Jesus and the people that surrounded Jesus would point to that day when God saved them through the Red Sea, when God brought them out of slavery. As an example, Zechariah has gone into the temple and the angel appeared to him and said that you'll have a son. He wasn't sure that that could happen and so the angel said, you're going to be deaf, or you're going to be dumb, you're not going to be able to speak until the son is born, until all these things are fulfilled. The baby is born, and it's not until eight days later when they get ready to name him that he continues to not be able to, to speak. And when, he, when the, the moment for the naming of the child, which was going to be very untraditional, came, and his wife was saying, no, no, it's got to be John, and the crowd was saying, it can't be John, that's not your family's name, he spoke. His name is John. And the next thing he did was talk about God's salvation. This is the opening line. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and he spoke this prophecy. I would go so far as to say he sang this prophecy. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. 
That is language that when it was spoken that day and every time that it was spoken prior to it, and in reality, in so many ways, all through Jesus' life, that he would talk about redemption, it always, that language always had echoes of going back to the exodus from Egypt and their freedom from slavery. Zechariah says, my son's going to be part of a new exodus. My son is going to lead the way for God's people to be brought into their great salvation. So it is that that great yearning of God, God's yearning from the moment that men and women, Adam and Eve, chose to say, you know what, I think I'll do it my way and pick that fruit from the tree. It has been God's yearning to save them. It has been God's yearning to point towards his salvation. Whether that was in calling Abraham, whether that was in calling Moses, whether that was in the power that was exerted in the signs in Egypt and the power of bringing them through the Red Sea, whether it was the moment where Joshua came into uh, the promised land and the walls of Jericho fell at, at, at the voices of the children of Israel, or whether it was the raising up of David, or whether it was that day when a, when a small remnant were able to come back from exile in Babylon, but none of them pointed more. And it was the angels that celebrated in heaven and, and wise men from the east and lowly shepherds that came around a cave where a baby lay in a feed trough. And they said the salvation of God. God's yearning to be with his people. God's yearning to bring his people back to where they would be. And so it is when Jesus laid his hands out on the cross. That God said I want you to be near and I'm willing to pay this price. And then he raised him from the dead. And while not full in its completion. It was completed in all that. God needed to do to make it possible for us to be with him, us to no longer be separated him, us to be people who would be filled by his spirit and participating in his salvation. The New Testament will over and over describe salvation in more ways in reality than we can count. Every single time Jesus heals a blind man or a woman with an issue of blood or a person that's been possessed by a demon, he is proclaiming salvation. And so salvation language is throughout all of the text, but the action comes in three distinct, we call them tenses. Three tenses or three descriptions of how salvation comes. First of all, of course, we would point to this probably most regularly. In Romans chapter 8, he will say, we have been saved. In fact, the text that Jay read from Titus talks about the fact that we have been saved. Something has happened in the past that we can say because we are attached to that. And again, it's not just the past of our life saying that we've been in the waters of baptism, but instead it is that we can point backwards to what Jesus did on the cross and what God did in the resurrection to say, my salvation has been, in many ways, accomplished. It is a done thing. All that God need do has been done. But that's not the only way that the New Testament talks about salvation. In Philippians chapter 2, and in reality in Acts chapter 2, he will talk about that we are being saved, those who are being saved. Not simply a reference to what has happened in the past, but a reference to something that's going on right here and right now. I have 
spoken many times about the power of baptism and how we need to be sure and bring any baptism that occurs among us when our children are baptized, when new converts are baptized, whatever it may be, we want to feel the water splash on our face to remind us that what happened that day, however many years ago it was for you, that the effect of that is continuing today. And in reality, it's a daily decision that we get up and to say, I no longer want to live my life for me. I want to once again lay down my life and take up your life. And while we don't go to the baptistry to, to be put down into the water and raised to new life, it becomes a constant reality for us. It's a little easier for us to talk about it as something that happened back then. It is a little easier for us to say, well, I've been baptized, I've, I've, I've repented, and I confessed, and I've put my faith in him, and I expressed that faith in the process of going into the waters of baptism, and I've been raised to a new life. It's easy for us to talk about what we did. Sometimes it's not as easy for us to talk about what we're doing. Are we still feeling the water of the baptistry in our life? Are we still in the process of being saved. Philippians chapter 2, work out your salvation. Work out those who are being saved with fear and trembling. And, and open yourself up to everything that God wants to do through, to you. Well, I'm betting that you can guess, right? If we've talked about being saved in the past, and we've talked about the fact that we are being saved today, then what's left for us to talk about that the New Testament wants to point us to? is the day that we will be saved. Now, I can compare this to the Exodus in many ways. There were signs and wonders that went on in Exodus, and there was the Passover, the, the Passover, uh, angel, Passover lamb was sacrificed, and the death angel came and, and killed all the firstborn of Egypt, in some ways kind of bringing justice for the firstborn lives of the children of Israel that the Egyptians had killed. And they go and they, they, they're part of a, a, an event that occurs where the sea opens up and they walk through on dry land on the other side. But in reality, even that day, they recognized that they were pointing towards something else, something that will be. It would take 40 years for them to get to the promised land. God opened the way much earlier than that, but they had no faith to go in. But it, it still was something that they longed for to be in the promised land. Moses would not get to see it, but he knew that it would happen. And even then, to a certain extent, going into the promised land, they didn't accomplish all that God wanted them to do. So there was a sense in which there was even more salvation to be done. You and I live on this side of the cross, hallelujah, and we recognize what Jesus did in the cross on that day when he died. And we recognize that as, as the New Testament describes it, three days later God would raise him up from the tomb. And, and the women would, would testify to the fact that they had seen the risen Jesus. And on that day we could say salvation came. But we continue to experience the opportunity to step into what God accomplished in the death, burial, and resurrection in Jesus. And aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful that it didn't end on that day? It didn't end on the day of Pentecost when the thousands heard the message of repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and receive the Holy Spirit. Aren't you thankful it didn't end that day? 
And I'm really thankful it didn't end on the day of my baptism. Because there's so much more that God wanted to do around me and in me and through me that's about his salvation coming to the world. But what we all point towards, what we all point towards, it's a powerful thing. We all point towards the day when all the questions, all the wondering, all the struggles, everything will be put aside and it will all be behind us and we will live in the presence of God forever and ever and ever. I don't know where your place of worship is. I don't know where it is that you feel closest to God. Maybe it's with the rod and reel in your hand and casting out there and you get that hit and you get to pull in a fish. Maybe it's the idea that you get to, to be out on a hike in, in nature. And, and let me just say, hikes somehow or another are more fun when you're up in the mountains and, and all those kinds of things. Or maybe it is sitting on a beach. And I love our beach. And, and the problem is sometimes that I want to have a beach where the sun sets and I can see the sun set. I got to go to Hawaii many, many long years ago and I loved sitting on the beach and it was this wonderful moment of communion of God watching the sunset. We have a beach where the sun rises. But you have to get early, you have to get up early to enjoy that, but it can be done. Or maybe it is that you're, you're wired. That you come together in the assembly of the Lord, whether you're here in person or you're online, and you say, I hear the songs of salvation, and it's almost like I can taste home. Or maybe, maybe it's just when you pick up that little piece of bread that reminds you, and that cup, and it reminds you, and says, that today is not the end of the story. There is more that is to come. We savor those moments when the what will be kind of steps into the what is. We have been saved. We are being saved. But hallelujah, what we're living in now is not the end of our salvation because we believe that it will be made complete when Christ returns and all things are made new. There, may, there were so many people in the Bible that could talk about the way God saved them, but it seemed that one of the ones that was a main actor, especially as we talk about our, our foray into the gospel, it would be Paul. Paul, who was a, a devout Pharisee. He was zealous for God, and he was willing to kill people because he was so zealous for God. He was willing to persecute and enslave, put people in jail, people because of his love for God. And if there was anyone who could say, my path was going this way and God did something and it took me in a whole other direction, it was Paul. That day on the road to Damascus and the light came, a light that if you ever have a scientific question about whether light has substance or not, you can point to this story. It had enough substance to knock him to the ground. That's not a scientific argument, but I like making it anyway. Knocked him to the ground and he heard a voice. Christ appeared to him. He will say it that way. Christ appeared to him. And from that day, now let's be sure and say, I don't know how you say no to God at that point, but I still believe that he had the opportunity to say, no, I'm not going to believe it. But he didn't. 
that moment when God reached and said, your life has been completely contradictory to what I want it to be about, and I want to point you towards my true salvation. Not the salvation of being a legalistic Pharisee, but a salvation that understands that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that everything that you wanted the law to do, that it could never do, is accomplished in Christ. His life went in another direction entirely. And Jesus, almost from the get-go, said, I have something I need you to do that has nothing, it's the wrong way to say it, that isn't primarily centered on the Jewish people. Instead, you, this greatest Jew of Jews, I want you to be the man who breaks the barrier, who follows my lead through the Spirit. I want you to follow my lead, and I want you to bring the Gentiles to be grafted in to the family of God which is my gospel, and to the best of my knowledge, it is all of your gospel, that we would be chosen along with Abraham to be people of faith folded into what God is doing. But sometimes we forget when we talk about being saved, whether it was something that happened in the past and we point to the waters of baptism, or whether we talk about saving in the process that's going on today, and we're being shaped. And last week we talked about that process of being made holy, being coming closer to God, being more who he wants us to be. Or we talk about salvation that might happen in the future. Sometimes we forget at the center of it all is not that we are saved so that we have something to put up on the shelf, like a, an award. Everybody remember when you were in whatever it is, two-year-old soccer, right? And everybody got... a a trophy or you were in three-year-old softball because they have to wait till three because kicking is one thing hitting is quite another right or wait until you're in five and and the basketball game is literally six to two and we've played for 20 minutes and that's all the baskets that are made but everybody at that stage that was as good as the jokes are going to get y'all can either get on board i heard the people on youtube laughing before you laughed but we put that trophy up on the shelf and we say look what i've done You hear what's wrong with that? Look what I've done. In reality, it's true about the trophy on the shelf, isn't it? When it's two-year-old soccer and three-year-old softball and four-year-old, five-year-old basketball. You didn't do anything to get it. You showed up, you signed, your parents paid the money, you played a game. And you got a trophy. Woo! And you thought more about the oranges at halftime than you did about the trophy. And sometimes that's the way we think about our salvation. We put it up on the shelf and say, look what I have, or look what I've done. It's never about what I've done. It's always about what God's done. And if God has done something in the past, I can promise you that God is continuing to do something today, and God will not stop until it is fulfilled. So what are we saved for might be the question we should ask. It's not just being saved so that we can take it off the shelf and say, look at this wonderful thing. It's all done and complete. Oh, wait, let me get a little dust off of it. There we go. But instead, it is the idea that we are being saved for something. We're being saved for God's purposes 
Paul puts it this way. I'm going to quote larger context around the Philippians 2 passage. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's that process word. Work out that which is continuing on. The tense there is continuing action. And before you kind of put it and say, oh, wait a minute, this is talking about me kind of doing things by myself. Notice that my beloved, all of you, work together to work out your salvation. For it is God who is at work in you. It is God who is at work in you so you can take a trophy off the shelf and say, look what I've done. No, it's God who is at work for you, enabling you to both will and to work for his good pleasure. If holiness that he points us to is about being nearer him, then the process of salvation is the process of me working my life closer and closer to the holiness that he wants me to be, that he is, and that he invites me to become. One more thing that we might forget. First, we forget that we're saved for something. Second thing, we might forget, and let's just quote it first, and then we'll talk about it. Genesis chapter 4. Isn't it interesting that it would come so early in the pages of the Bible? Cain, in jealousy because his sacrifice was not found acceptable, ambushed and killed his brother Abel, and God came to him. It's, it's exactly like what happened in the garden. Do you remember God comes and he says, Adam, where are you? He knew exactly where he was, but he wanted to ask, where are you? Are you running away from me? Admit that you're running away from me. Admit that you're wrong. And he comes to Cain and says, where is your brother Abel? He doesn't say, I know you killed Abel. Did he know he killed Abel? The answer, of course, is yes. That's not what he asked him. He says, I'm inviting you to say, yes, I broke covenant. I did things outside of what God would have me be about. But that's not how he answers. I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Oh, baby, those words ought to echo in our ears. Now, I have to admit that sometimes I save them tongue-in-cheek, right? How are, how are Drew and Catherine doing? Am I my children's keeper? I don't know how they're doing. You call them, ask them how they're doing. How's Elise and Jason? How's that ministry going in San Angelo? I don't know. Am I my children's keeper? You call them, ask them. If you're interested, I guarantee you they'd love to tell you about it and ask you to pray for what they're doing. So sometimes I do it tongue-in-cheek, but make no mistakes. The answer to that question is God resoundingly saying, yes, you are your brother's keeper. And when Lot gets pulled away, God says to Abraham, don't let him go his own way, help him. And when the children of Israel at Sinai put up the, the calf and God says, I'm just going to get rid of all of them and I'm just going to restart with you, Moses. Moses says, no, 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 no. Please. And then he spent 40 years helping shape them away from the golden calf and towards a people who would love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen.
The language of the gospel is difficult. But I would have to say that my, my reading of the gospel of Christ says that one of the most painful things that happened to Jesus was when he said goodbye to Judas, having dipped the bread, do what you have to do quickly, because he wanted him to change his mind. And he wanted him not to be left away when he betrayed Jesus, which seemed to have to happen so that Jesus could be crucified, so that, so that God's eternal plan of paying the debt of sin and death with his body of his son had to take place. But I have a feeling, and I think the, the, the theme of the New Testament is that it hurt Jesus to let Judas go. And Jesus immediately said to Peter, peace be with you. You see, it's not only that we're being saved for something, it is that we're being saved together. I don't want to go alone. I don't want you to go alone. I want us to work together. When we sing songs together in four-part harmony, we are combining voices to lift God's name up and I couldn't do it without you and you know what you couldn't do it without me and so we're invited to be part of that ongoing process of discovering anew the salvation that God accomplished in the death burial and resurrection of Jesus and that he will complete when he sends him back and all things are made new and today you and I have the opportunity to help each other walk a step closer There are no solos in foxholes. When armies go out to fight, they never train them to, you just do it all by yourself. Armies are taught to go out to fight arm in arm, side by side. And I want to pick up God's armor together with you and us move forward into the great salvation every single day that he wants us to be a part of. Because being saved is as much about the now as it is about the past and it is about the, present, about the future. You know, I love it um, very quickly. I love the way you are saying with your actions, COVID must be over. We're at church, what do we need a mask for? We're at church, why do we need to social distance? We're at church, we want to say it's all over and done. And somebody say amen, there'll be a day when it will be, yes? But it's interesting that you come to church. Now I know that there are folks, but I'm, I'm thinking there are fewer folks who behave that way at the grocery store. You don't just run up and hug somebody at the grocery store. For the most part. haven't got your turkey yet and you get there the day before Thanksgiving and you find the exact right turkey, you may reach in that and hug the turkey, right? But it's in many ways, you're wishing it was over. You're wishing it was finished. 
you're wishing we didn't have to be separate and have to wear masks and have to not see everybody. We are so wishing that you could be with us. And so it is that every single day, you and I, not about COVID, but you and I get to say, someday there'll be no more hatred and I get to remove a little more hatred from my life. Someday there will be perfect justice and you and I get to step in and say, reach down to people who can't stand up for themselves and try to lift them up in some way. We get to join with an entire nation in trying to feed children in Haiti and say there'll be no more hunger. We get to join with people who are building houses and say there won't be anybody who's going to be homeless. We get to join with each other and say no one is going to be left behind. Being saved is as much about the now. Salvation is as much about the now as the past or the future. Acting today like new creation has come. Where are you in the process? Is it yet something that you can point to the past and say, I've been saved through the waters of baptism? If not, we'd love to talk with you. There are many people here who would be glad to work through the process of how you step into the water of baptism and what God wants to do with you there. Or maybe you're somebody who needs to be reminded that I'm continuing to be saved. God hasn't given up on me yet, and I need this church to pray for me. Or maybe you just want to say, I'm losing my vision of what will be. Don't leave me behind. If you want to reach out to us online, the number is there, and you're welcome to send us a message. I, I assure you that those messages will be followed up on. Let's take a moment to stand. Let's take a moment to stand. And say with me, I have been saved. I saved. I will be saved. Today, I am being saved. Let's sing together. How sweet, how heavenly is the sight when those that love the Lord in one another's peace delight and so fulfill the word. When each can feel his brother's sigh and with him bear a part, when children. Um, Alan, thank you so much for your words and the message that you had today. This song was not even in our list of planning. And so as he's preaching, I start reading these words and I'm like amazed at how much this, I mean, if he read this, he would have been done a lot sooner. But, uh, but I mean, the message is there. And these words that's in this song really hit 
I mean, if you're talking about going from the cross, the mess that we've made, where we're at, our future, where we're going to, it's all in these words. So let's sing this together. Center of the mess I've made upon the hill our places straight stretched on across your body crushed by human hands you forth from dust how
I was born in the church. Probably two or three days after I was born, I was in church. <laughs> so I was literally was born in the church. Uh, my dad was a preacher, so you know there's a lot of lot of memories. My early my early memories of communion. My earliest memory is laying on a pew. And as the trays were being passed, the light hit the trays just right, and they were just sparkling on the roof. I don't know if y'all ever witnessed that, but that's what I remember. And I remember thinking, that's really cool or whatever. Uh, I remember that the church, all of a sudden, would get a little bit quieter. It became more somber. It became more reverent. I remember seeing people that I loved and knew uh, bowing their heads and closing their eyes and remembering things that were apparently very, very important. I didn't understand it at that point in time. I did get baptized, and then I remember my first participation in the communion process. All of a sudden, me, just a little old boy, I was accepted as part of the family. I was now a brother on equal terms with the people of with my family in the church. Uh, later, Diane and I got married and we had boys. And my thoughts about communion changed. All of a sudden, John 3.16 became pretty real to me. The thought of what, it, what I would do to give my son became a tough thought to think about. 47 years or something like that of taking communion, I've had a lot, lots of thoughts. Here are some of the thoughts, not near all of them, but some of them. You know, the thought of uh, the pain and suffering and agony that Christ went through. I've always thought about those leather straps. I've you know, read the, the historian's accounts of what those leather straps were like, that they'd have pieces of metal, uh, pieces of rock, pieces of glass, on the ends of them, so when they hit the flesh, the intent was to cut the flesh. I, I think about that. Leanne, I like her thoughts. She thinks about ten thousand angels that song. He could have called. He could have stopped all that. He didn't. He did it for us. I also think about the blood. His blood being shed. And his blood is different than our blood. You know, if I, I've got some shirts that have a stain on them, our blood stains. His blood is just the opposite. It cleanses our sins. It makes somebody who's imperfect like me pure, white, holy, and clean. Also, think, you know, during times of communion, I've always thought a lot about it's a time for reflection. I think about what did I do during this past week? How did I do? Did I do okay? The other thing that I've just started recently thinking about is I'm kind of new to the family here, but I'm part of this family. This is my family. But I have many other families. Uh, I have a family where I look at those things happening on the ceiling and I still have friends there in Campwood and Barksdale, Texas, near Aces Canyon. I have a family in Gulfway where my dad preached and where I live. I have a family in Ackerley, Texas, where my wife is from. I have a family in Midland. 
I have a family in Abilene. These are places that we lived. And then, of course, my family here. But isn't it a cool thought that all of our families are all in fellowship today, not only here, not only in the United States, Haiti. We have people, we have family members in Haiti that are doing the same things we're doing today. So I believe that communion time is a time for thoughts of our own salvation. What's to come? What's what Christ did for us? But why we're truly here is because of Jesus and his sacrifice for us. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we'd like to thank you for the great sacrifice that you gave, allowing your son to come to this earth and to go through great suffering and pain so that we would be able to be saved. We ask that as we partake of this bread that we'll think of Christ's body along with all the other people, all of our brothers and sisters, that we'll think of Christ's body being broken upon that cross and what it means to us as Christians. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. continue to think about Christ, his shedding of, the, of his blood upon that cross. We're so thankful that his blood was shed that we can become pure and holy and spotless before, before you. We ask that as we partake of this communion and we partake of this cup that we'll remember the great sacrifice that Christ made so that we could one day have the salvation with you in heaven. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Yeah. I'd like to say it quick prayer for uh, for our offering. Uh, again, you can give online or however you do that or through the website. And also there's a way to do that at the back. But uh, at, at this time, if you'll pray with me. Lord, we're so blessed. We're such a blessed people. Uh, we, we pray that we'll never forget that and that we'll always strive to look around us and see the people that are in need see areas where we can help, and we pray that we will share our blessings with others. Uh, we pray that you'll help us to see and do and take care of the needs around us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
want to welcome everybody here again to, uh, today, and those online uh, welcome you here also. Uh, you know, our offering uh, is, is different here with the COVID. We don't pass the collection tray anymore. We, we uh, uh, do it online, or we do it by sending it in by U.S. mail, or we put it in the box back there. And, and our contributions this year are, you know, very close to matching our budget. And so we've been very blessed by this congregation and, and the money that they've been contributing and, and able to, to us uh, do our budget here, and we appreciate that. Um, one of the things that uh, we're doing here sh shortly is uh, Gary McBrayer asked me to, uh, from Benevolence, asked me to, to, uh, to uh, for you to start thinking about uh, Christmas baskets. That's something that they're going to be doing, and, and they, they need to, to uh, uh, you to come up with names of families that they can give them to, and and he gave me some what they need here. I'm not going to read that here, but it'll, uh, I will include that in the caring and sharing so that uh, you can uh, do that in the future. But that's something you should start thinking about, uh, possible families that you know or, or, or see that uh, would need uh, would benefit from a Christmas uh, basket. I want to thank Alan for the lesson he had today and, and uh, for our... Our journey to, to salvation with God here, and appreciate that. Also, a couple announcements to look at here. Our youth group is going to be having a fall retreat this next weekend, and so we need to remember that. Um, it, um, need to remember the Curtis and Willie Brown family. Uh, they both lost brothers, uh, Clyde Brown and... Johnny Barnes, and so that um, we need to re remember them in our in this time and comfort them. Ask God to comfort them. Uh, also, here we uh, have a that uh, some sad news. Wendell and Shirley Eves are going to be leaving us. They're going to be moving to Denton, Texas. Um, so we need to. Uh, there is a Bible in back that you can sign. At, at the Welcome Center. It's kind of strange to have people leaving and, and because of COVID, they're not able to come to the, you know, it's, you're not able to see, see them. Um, also want to remember there were that uh, Christine Lee and, and Julie Omar were married yesterday. Celebrate that. Um, go through some of the prayer lists here real quick. Uh, April Barton had surgery uh, on her heart this last week. Israel Jimenez, Sylvia Harris' son is in the hospital. Uh, Ron McDaniel uh, has been diagnosed with dementia, and we need to remember Ron and Nora. Uh, Alex and Quinn Watson, who are Bill and Joyce's and Bill and Joyce Lewis' daughter. Both of them had COVID, and he has recovered, but she, and she is almost recovered. And uh, thankfully, their daughter, Owen, did not get it. Also, Dara Frazier this last week had gallbladder surgery and is recovering from that. And Kelly McCoy is, is having a CT scan and testing, and, and we ask that doctors help uh, successfully uh, diagnose that. And uh, actually, my name is on the prayer list, too. I have uh, prostate cancer, and uh, 
I'm going to be having surgery. I'm, I got surgery to, to remove the par, uh, prostate scheduled for January 8th. So, um, there's other people that are on the prayer list there. I'll let you look at that and, and get the details on that. Uh, I'll mention the names in the prayer here. Let me just see if I've covered everything that I've... Okay, shall we pray? Father, we come before you today and humble ourselves before you. We recognize you as all-powerful and the provider of all things. As it says in Romans 13:1, we ask that you help us subject ourselves to the governing authorities, as there is no authority except for the ones that you have established. We ask you to be with all of our leaders here that have been recently elected, both those on the local and national level. Guide them in their decisions and fill them with your knowledge and compassion so that they will govern wisely. We ask that you fill us with your spirit and wisdom so that we can better serve you in this world. We ask that you be with the youth as they will be on a fall retreat next week. And Father, we lift up those who are on the prayer lists and let them feel your presence and provide healing and comfort. April Barton, Israel Jimenez, Neil Brown, Ron and Nora McDaniel, Kevin McBrayer, Scott and Christy Lewis, Alex and Quinn Watson and daughter Owen, Marie Vargas, Dee Rambo, Candy Crest, Jesse Marino, the Curtis, Willie, and Curtis and Willie Brown family. And Father, we want to thank you for sending your son who died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. standing for our closing song and then after the song I ask you to sit back down for just a moment please sing no wondrous love